Welcome to Park Ave Baptist Church Podcast. A weekly broadcast of our Sunday sermon. I'm Himra Chanel, pastor of community engagement and stewardship. And I'm Darcy Jarrett, pastor of worship, advocacy, and arts. Park Ave is a bold, inclusive, and creative community where everyone is welcome. We uplift voices and identities that are marginalized elsewhere. We affirm all ethnicities, racial identities, ages, socioeconomic groups, gender identities, and sexual orientations because we hold to a theology that refuses to other anyone. At Park Ave, our leadership model is non-hierarchical. And we practice an open pulpit where you will hear a multiplicity of theologically trained voices from different backgrounds and social locations. We don't just preach and talk about deconstructing systems and structures of power. We We practice practice it. Through this podcast, we hope you will be inspired, encouraged, and challenged. Listen Listen with with us now. Park Avenue Baptist Church, in response to COVID-19, has suspended in-person worship, but that can't stop us. What you'll hear on this podcast is a recording of our online worship, which happens each Sunday at 10 a.m. Join us through our Facebook, at Park Ave Baptist, or our Instagram, at Park Ave Baptist. We hope that you stay safe in these difficult times. Here now are reading from 1 Corinthians 15. But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? Fool, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And as for what you sow, you do not sow the body that is to be, but a bare seed, perhaps of wheat or of some other grain. But God gives it a body as he has chosen, and to each kind of seed its own body. Not all flesh is alike, but there is one flesh for human beings, another for animals, another for birds, and another for fish. There are both heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is one thing, and that of the earthly is another. There is one glory of the sun, and another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars. Indeed, star differs from star and glory. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a physical body it is raised a spiritual body. If there is a physical body, there is also a spiritual body. Thus it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the physical, and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust, The second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so are those who are of the dust. And as is the man of heaven, so are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we will also bear the image of the man of heaven. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Thank you for reading, Liz. Like... Uh, Darcy said earlier, my name is Miles Markham. 
I use the pronouns he, him, or they, them. And uh, I'm just a big old groupie who's been coming around Park Avenue Baptist Church for the last few years. And uh, today is our last Sunday in Pride Month, and it is June 28th. What that means for us is we are recognizing um, the Stonewall Uprisings, which happened in 1969. As some of you know, uh, at that time, the New York City police violently raided the Stonewall Inn to attack and arrest the queer and trans many black and brown customers who frequented the establishment. It was an event that resulted in week-long protests, marches, and demonstrations, and is now seen as a significant catalyst for the LGBTQ movement as we know it today. Our scripture reading is relevant because I believe the Apostle Paul in this letter to the Corinthians is addressing a huge question about bodies. He writes to answer whether or not flesh is a problem for his audience or perhaps something else. And this is the same question that has always been at the heart of all liberation movements. If you didn't know, I am transgender. And because I'm transgender, it is not uncommon for many people to assume this means that I've had a lifelong problem with my body. I believe this assumption is the result of something some scholars have called normative body logic, which is basically a short, fancy way of saying the way white, cisgender, straight, thin, able-bodied men teach us to think about which bodies and their actions are good or desirable and which bodies are bad and undesirable. At the time, the Apostle Paul was writing to the Corinthians, one of the popular philosophical movements floating around the Greco-Roman world was something we've talked about before at Park Ave called Gnosticism. Gnostics are often misunderstood. And at the risk of sounding overly reductionist here, one of their main beliefs was that anything spirit was fundamentally good and anything material was evil. Therefore, because bodies are a part of the material world, they must be bad. While this belief and others that stemmed from it were formally denounced by the church in the first few centuries of its existence, it has always found a sneaky way back into Christian teaching, especially for those of us who grew up in Pentecostal, evangelical, or other theologically conservative traditions. And real lucky for me, and by lucky, I mean deeply, unfortunately, for my little queer trans brown self, I was growing up in the deep South. And when I was 14 years old, I followed a call by the Holy Spirit right down the aisle of an all white Southern Baptist church and got saved by white Jesus. 
the normative body logic I internalized before I became a Christian was intensified and spiritualized. And it sounded something like this. God made everybody to have a boy or a girl body. There are only two options and sex equals gender. God made everybody to have either a black or white body. There are only two options and white equals right. Now you might say, Miles, that was 2005. People definitely knew that there were more than two races. And to you, I say, you would think they knew that. You would think that. Anyway, as you can imagine, for a little person who knows they aren't a boy or a girl, they are not black and they are not white, and will grow up to think that, sure, boys are nice looking, but can only find themselves to fall in love with other women, one learns to understand themselves best as other, and at worst, as a monster. I was taught to look at flesh like my own, and in order to be right, to be good, to have virtue, then I needed to live into God's design for what they called biblical womanhood. And I tried. I tried to be straight, I tried to be white, and I tried to be a godly cisgender woman. And I would have kept trying if it didn't become clear to me that I was moving down a certain path where death was at the end. So I left. Well, I, I was kicked out, but <laughs> we know from our scripture that even after death, there is life. And from there, I started again and began a career in LGBTQ advocacy. I began to embrace my native Hawaiian and Japanese heritages. I found a way to integrate my faith, my sexuality, my ethnicities, and I had jobs where I was given the opportunity to support other people on that same journey. I started to go to therapy. I discovered there really isn't a singular embodiment of biblical womanhood and became committed to lifelong learning through an anti-racist, queer, feminist lens. I was born again, again, and given new body logic, and I liked it. But was I a woman? Well, no, but I also didn't think I was a man either. When asked what she thought I was, my niece, who at the time was four, told me that Grammy was a girl and mommy was a girl, but I was a people. And that worked for a while, but I knew there was still more to it. The problem with wrestling with my gender was that I had believed that old normative body logic lie for so long, I didn't know how to believe anything else. Even though I'd become affirming of queer relationships, I still was constantly hearing from even other queer people that transgender equaled wrong body or bad body, trapped body. And that definitely did not fit with all of the body positivism central 
to my new worldview. I ask myself, well, self, even if I'm transgender, does that mean I need to transition? What does transitioning even mean? It would be expensive and it would be inconvenient. And what if something went wrong? It would be terrible for my family. It'd be bad for my friends. It'd be hard for my partner. My list went on and on. Even in a life increasingly characterized by happiness, purpose, and affirming community, I still found myself working tirelessly to make sure I never asked myself what I really felt or what I wanted. There were just too many years of denying my body and well, old habits die hard. Transition, whatever that meant, seemed impossible for me. But once I did begin to think about things I had previously decided I shouldn't think about, the very definition of the word impossible began to change. At the beginning of 2018, I watched a 2015 video of artist and teacher Lee McCoby perform a slam poem about being trans. In it, they say, but I was more boy than girl, more Ken than Barbie. It had nothing to do with hating my body. I just love it enough to let it go. I treat it like a house. And when your house is falling apart, you do not evacuate. You make it comfortable enough to house all your insides. You make it pretty enough to invite guests over. You make the floorboard strong enough to stand on. And once it occurred to me that God was inviting me to participate in the co-creation of beloved community, not just in mind or in spirit, but in my body, that my body wasn't wrong and my body wasn't bad, then I was gonna need to learn how to live in it. And if I was going to live in it, I needed to love it. And I needed to love it enough to make it into a home. Contrary to what I was taught for so long, God did not see my body as a problem to be solved or something that needed to assimilate. My body was an occasion for joy, an opportunity to reflect a new, different, and liberatory body logic. Which brings me here today, a day where I'm reflecting on the number of times throughout the last few weeks I've heard the question asked, why is it that black, indigenous, and POC trans women are killed at a disproportionate rate? The answer, because the normative body logic, I am still unlearning, we are still unlearning, teaches us to relate to trans bodies and femme bodies and bodies called the other as public domain. Sure, not all of us are murderers, but underneath this extreme violence is the same ideology that gives people little things, like a sense of entitlement to comment on hair texture, skin complexion, how to wear or not wear makeup, 
style and fit of clothes, voice register, hand size, foot size, height, weight. We are all socialized to have an opinion about bodies along the nexus of race and gender. And we're taught that we have the right to share it with them and with others. And especially about ourselves and our own bodies. For most of my life, I knew this, I felt it, I experienced it. But as a trans masculine person, the longer I am on testosterone and being understood as male, the more I realize how true it actually is. As it stands today, there's a sharp contrast between how much people comment on my appearance when they see me as a dude who's only ever been a dude and how much people comment on my appearance when they know or have come to know that I am trans masculine. There's something about my gender history and how femininity still lives in me that positions my friends and my family to remark out loud about my body, both for praise, um, but also criticism, constantly. Normative body logic forces us to have opinions and strong ones of people that are not cisgender, heterosexual, white, thin, male, or able-bodied. And I say all this because it's the end of Pride Month. And while it's one thing to be a people in a congregation who support the rights of queer and trans, black, indigenous, and people of color, this cannot be where our work ends. Our scripture points us to the sacredness of all bodies, the ones that are and the ones that are to come, and therefore calls us to fight for queer and trans, black, indigenous, and POC dignity. Just feeling sadness or pity on behalf of people experiencing compounded forms of oppression will not get us very far. Liberatory body logic teaches us to learn what it means to respect, to honor, and celebrate the goodness of life, not just the trauma of death. My hope is that we grow into people who pull up more seats at our table, not because we notice the plight or tragedy or feel bad for others, not because it's the politically correct thing to do and not because it looks bad if we don't, but because we're learning to appreciate without appropriating the distinct love, light, joy, virtue, and genius of queer and trans, black, indigenous, and POC liberation. A lifelong endeavor that I think turning back to this letter to the Corinthians can encourage us to continue on. In. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, and the glory of the heavenly is one thing, and that of the earthly is another. What is sown is perishable, but is raised is imperishable, it is sown in dishonor, but it's raised in glory. It's sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown in a physical body. It is raised in a spiritual body. One way to define the body, the Bible's liberatory body logic here has been written about like this. 
The body that exists is always in anticipation and conversation with the body that will be. All flesh is not the same flesh, but physical bodies, all physical bodies please God. Death is always followed by growth, and there are many different types of glory. Dishonor can be followed by redemption, that all things spiritual originate in the goodness of flesh, that our very good bodies reflect both where we have been and where we are going. Among the many healing outcomes, I think one practice adopting this new body logic allows us to take on is a reimagining of who constitutes the great cloud of witnesses we see talked about in scripture. The people who have gone before us and are still among us here and now sharing what it means to be free. As we close out June, I invite you all to reflect on who in your life has witnessed to you just how deep, how wide, and how generous the love and welcome of God can be. Who has helped you to unlearn patterns of racism, sexism, and heterosexism? Whose writing, videos, podcasts, or social media posts have provoked your curiosity, your passion, or even just given you the ability to put you in your fields? Who inspires you to create and to redefine the limits of what is possible for yourself and for the world? This kind of work is what it means to witness God in and among one another to have new language, to have a new heart, and to have a new normal. That is our prayer. For all of the names and the lives that are coming to mind and their many contributions, we give God our thanks and our praises. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Park Avenue Baptist Church podcast. If you'd like to worship with us in person, our services are on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m.-ish. We are at 486 Park Ave in Southeast Atlanta, across the street from Grant Park, at the corner of Park Ave and Sydney Street. To find out more about us or get in touch, visit our website at parkavebaptist.com. Now go into a world that is too often unjust, knowing that the God that created you loves you and empowers you to love boldly, live inclusively, and serve creatively.